0: Tell
1: me, where in the world is crime in San Diego? All
0: right, guys, welcome to episode two of Where in the World is Crime in San Diego?
1: Welcome, welcome. Today's episode is a little special you guys hear that that is the sound of crashing waves this weekend we're down in rosarito mexico enjoying baja beach fest and we are committed to keeping our episodes going so so a little
0: bit of background for those of you that might not be familiar baja beach fest is a three-day music festival that features latin music um
1: get thrown artists from south america latin america all over the world really essentially and it's just amazing to, uh, event down here in uh, rosarito um if you guys ever had a chance to come check it out i highly recommend it um it was a little bit scary i'm not gonna lie there was a little
0: bit of a political issue this weekend with some cartels in the government in mexico so you guys might have seen the news that in tijuana mexico there was cars being burnt uh, people being taken off the road and like just evacuated from their vehicles, and the vehicles were set on fire. so it was a little bit of a scare. I'm not gonna yeah. lie
1: and real quick story on that is that uh, you know one of the the main cartel uh, leaders got captured, and the cartel was trying to bully the government to release him, and in return, they decided to basically shut down all of Tijuana the border crossing and you know a lot of people got scared uh, thankfully nobody was murdered or killed uh they people's cars did get lit on fire but they were you know they were at gunpoint they were telling to get out of the car and just go home but they lost their vehicle and about 20 people lost their cars which is unfortunate um here at the actual festival itself uh, the safety concern uh was extremely put in place, and there were security guards there's police there's actual uh military presence everywhere uh, yeah, you
0: definitely feel safe in the venue and in the town, but it's still scary to know that it's happening so close, yeah. especially when you 're away from home
1: but aside from that we're having a great time we're currently right now we're we're just out here enjoying ourselves and then uh' is back to work mode so now. We're going to start stepping into our episode.
0: Well, before we start, I just have a little bit of a thank you shout out to everybody listening and that has listened to episode one. If you haven't, please go back and check it out. But so far, we have been played in eight countries. So we've been listened to in United States, Canada, Mexico, Sweden, United Kingdom, Turkey, Norway, and Italy. Like, that just blows it my blows mind. Like It's amazing. How
1: thank is you so that real? But... Please continue uh, sharing the word. Uh, let us know what you think. We, we've been getting amazing feedback. So thank you so much to everyone who's been listening. Uh, continue listening. Like, our, like and share our content. Where in the world is crime in San Diego?
0: And just a warning. This story is insane this week. Like oh, we cannot wrap our heads around
1: juicy. how wild it this one's going to be. So our week's title for this episode is called What's Cooking? on Dittmar.
0: So the sources for this week that we used are CBS 8, NBC7, Roku Channel, Union Tribune San Diego, Jim Fisher True Crime at Blogspot.com, and TimesofSanDiego.com.
1: So this story takes place out of my hometown, Oceanside, California. Now, Oceanside is the northern end of the San Diego County and it's a pretty big, decent sized city, population of about 200,000. And it v- valleys at least what? Like it goes six, seven miles inland. And it's also popular because it's a beach community, but then the Top Gun house is there with Camp Pelanton Marine Base not being too far. So um, leading into the story, I had no idea that this even existed. So, Angie, can you introduce who we're going to talk about?
0: Yes. So, we are going to be talking about the story of Frederick Hangel and Anna Ferris. So, if you Google it, you'll look at, like, the Blue Murder Bungalow in Oceanside, and the story will come up. This couple moved into the Oceanside neighborhood in 20, 2002. I had to do it math there for a second. <laughs> 2002. They had no children, but the couple was already known around the neighborhood as being a little odd or different. The man was known for walking around the neighborhood, dressed as a woman, makeup done. And I'm sure 10 years ago, this would have been like a what in the world is going on. I think as time went on and cops and neighbors both kind of got familiar with this behavior, just became a erratic. Like this is who they are. Not that big of a deal. Um, the wife was known for standing on the corners of the streets with a knife in her hand and yelling about God and the end of the world. And she was always seen in the same outfit, which kind of led neighbors to believe that she didn't have, like, high hygiene. But it was just something that, again, over the years, everybody just built a tolerance for. They knew about them and they were aware of them, but they hadn't hurt anybody to that point. So all the calls that cops received were never about domestic violence. It's kind of one of those where you just kind of look the other way at one point and just...
1: It's kind of like, it is what it is, where you see, like, a homeless person or someone that's, you know, on drugs, and you can clearly see that their mental capability is not there, and is you just, you kind of bat an eye and just walk by it, and you don't think anything of it.
0: Not to mention, they were elder. So, Frederick Hengel was 68, and Anna Ferris was 73.
1: So, Frederick, um, we, from what we investigated... He retired from whatever his career was. We, we, we tried to see what we could find on his career, but we could not find it. But he was working at a Home Depot until February of 2012. And that's when his bride is what he refers to as Ferris. Her health started declining. Now he ended up taking care of her and he would end up feeding her through a turkey baster.
0: He would actually feed her protein shakes and like supplement shakes.
1: To keep her. So, I mean, what kind of condition do you have to be in to where you're being fed with a tricky base? Or you would figure that you would go seek some medical attention or, I mean, them being an elderly couple, no kids. It's very difficult to try to even start where to even get some help.
0: No family, like, checking in on them. Yeah. But that's real love, though. Like, I don't know if I would feed you through a turkey baser. I'm just being honest.
1: <laughs> no, dude. <it> is. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, you're not. So now, this is where we start getting into...
0: The meat of the story. <laughs> 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 Pun intended.
1: Ooh. So, on November 16th, 2012, neighbors called authorities because they started complaining about a foul order coming from the neighborhood and particularly from frederick's house when police arrived they weren't able to have anyone come up to the door uh they knocked on the windows they couldn't see anything but they could see stuff in the kitchen so one of the police officers decided to go through the window and see if he can get into the house
0: So So, from what I understood at this point, it seemed like it was an abandoned home, like they didn't know who lived at the residence or how long anybody had been home. So when they were trying all the doors, they saw a mm -hmm. window that was slightly open and they're like, "Okay, well, let's go in through there. And at that same moment that they were going in through the window, Frederick snuck out through the front door. Like, yeah, like this literally from a movie, like, how do you time it so perfect that there's like a million cops in the rear of the side of your house and you just.
1: Stroll out your front door. like, And then where do you go?
0: He probably went for another one of his interesting strolls around the neighborhood. Wherever I wouldn't went. have been surprised. Yeah,
1: because wherever he went, that's when the cops entered the house. They saw that there was three pots on the stove. And the, the heat was on. At first, the, the cops were just, what could it be? As they walk into the kitchen and they see, they get closer, they can actually see that it's human remains. It is not clear what were in those three pots.
0: Can you just imagine like the odor? I would would imagine that
1: it's probably like an arm, a leg, you know, hand, uh, maybe even a head. You know, I can't even
0: like I've always read like that smell is so distinct that you can never confuse it. Mm -hmm. But just like that visual, I feel like no amount of therapy would get me to recover from that. Yeah.
1: For me personally, I have never smelled human remains ever. But thankfully, I, yes, neither have I. I but I have smelled dead animals before, and that smell is very distinctive. And when it gets on you, it just lingers. Is so, it like
0: the subway smell where once you go in you can't wash it off for like three days?
1: Pretty much. <laughs> but from what I hear, you know, dead decomposing body cooking, it's way completely different and it's something that you can never
0: sorry to anybody that's eating right now you probably (laughs) won't want to listen to this while you're having a meal Uh, just a disclaimer yeah
1: things get a a lot more interesting not a little bit interesting a lot more the officer sees the pots he sees the, the body parts being cooked so he thinks what else could there be as they're looking around On the kitchen table, there is a freshly used meat grinder that the police couldn't imagine that this couldn't get any worse. Do you think, Angie? No way. No way, right? Well, guess what? The police walks over to the refrigerator, Mm -hmm. right? Opens the fridge. Nothing really. But once he gets to the freezer... That's where they find a woman's head staring right back at them. Here's where the police stop because this has now turned into a crime scene and it's an investigation, right? The smell is so unbearable that investigators had a suit up with hazmat suits and face coverings because it was just unbearable to even step foot inside the house and try to gather evidence. The investigators continue into the bathroom and... This is where things also get pretty gruesome because in the bathroom, there was a workbench to help, you know, mutilate the body. On the table, the investigators were able to discover a saw, bony knife, and other specialty tools.
0: Maybe his background at Home Depot actually helped out for this part. Aye, aye. Is that a little wild to think?
1: Now you got my head spinning.
0: So after his little stroll through the front door, Hangle decided to head to a local bar in downtown Oceanside. Keep in mind where his home was located. He was only a block or so away from the main Oceanside, like downtown boulevard. So he went to a local bar. He was enjoying what seemed to be his last alcoholic drink. And as if he was waiting for the cops to come, as soon as they walked in, he voluntarily went with them and told them everything from the beginning.
1: It's it's wild.
0: Tangle claims that his wife died on November 7th in his arms from natural causes. He didn't know what to do or who to call. He was completely distraught and not in the right state of mind and was simply trying to help her, I guess. Like he didn't really say what his motive was. He just said she had already died and like, he didn't know what to do.
1: Well, looking at the situation where they're both elderly couple, no kids, no support whatsoever. I can see how, he did not know what to do, but at the same time, like, why dismember her or even call someone to to help?
0: Well, yeah, it's not like everyone doesn't know the number in a 911. And, I mean, it's easy to explain, like, oh, she died of natural causes versus I decided to cook her and help her. Like, yeah, it just doesn't check out.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't cook you and cut you up if, I, if you died. I,
0: oh, thanks. I feel relieved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: well, you're welcome.
0: I just feel like there's a million other ways to like help somebody once they pass away than cooking them up and cutting them into pieces. That's just my personal opinion. Medical Examiner estimated that Anna Ferris's date of death was between November 1st and November 16th. Because of the state of the body, it was very difficult to define any sort of autopsy or any sort of precise answers. But due to the decomposition, it was probably about a week or more old. So on her death certificate, it is listed November 1st, just as an estimation.
1: At the time, it wasn't known that Ferris had developed Alzheimer's and dementia. Now, it would make sense because that's why she would have these episodes of her being out in the street, you know, talking all these crazy things and crazy thoughts that are not, quote unquote, normal to others to see, right? Now that he decided to quit his job back in February of this, of that year in 2012 to help care for her health. You would figure that she would, they would at least have gone see a doctor as well to try to get these medical conditions taken care of. And
0: But you have to remember they were a little bit of oddballs. So who knows how much they even like had ability to get around or how knowledgeable they were, of what was available to them. Like it's really difficult to get a feel because they didn't really socialize with anybody to get that. Interaction or that attention, or for someone to notice something was wrong, like other than neighbors complaining about a really bad smell, nobody would have even looked into their house.
1: Oh, you're you're right. Well, then again, if if he didn't cook the body, would that odor have stayed inside the house, or would how long would it have taken for that odor to come out and the neighbors realize, hey?
0: Well, if you think about it, it could have been weeks. Like medical examiners estimating somewhere between the. First in the 16th, but like I said, it was at least a week old. So, let's say like the 7th or 10th. So, for it to sit there for two weeks before anybody even noticed an odor, like, that's got to tell you something. It speaks volume. Yeah. So, here's the real kicker. It's very difficult to prove cause of death, especially in the state of this body. So, the options here are natural causes, as Henkel claimed. Violent murder, as in domestic violence. Or human neglect or elder neglect doesn't he just stopped caring for her and she died of starvation or, you know, she just was left somewhere alone and couldn't provide for herself. Considering that she was being fed out of a turkey baster, it would make sense that she wasn't able to do much on her own.
1: Oh, yeah, right. Because they could not prove he murdered her. This is not a criminal case.
0: It is not. It is not labeled as a homicide because it is beyond the reason, or it is not within reasonable doubt that he committed the murder. It's just within proof that he unwillfully, or what he did to her body after like the mutilation.
1: So, he was charged, right? He had two counts.
0: He was charged, but he was charged with different uh, felonies. It wasn't wasn't murder.
1: murder. So what were they?
0: Hegel was charged with Willful cruelty to an elder and unlawful act with human remains, which seems very light considering the severity of the scene and the situation. But if he was convicted, he would have faced 25 years to life.
1: Now, was there a bail set? Or?
0: There was a bail. It was at 5 million buckaroos.
1: God oh, damn. Just, oh my goodness. So the price
0: of one house in San Diego right now. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, know, Pocket of, change.
1: Uh, a studio. Okay, Angie. So Frederick Hengel, he's charged with, you said it was the unlawful act of human remains, right? And, and willful
0: cruelty to an elder.
1: Okay. Did he have a trial?
0: He was set to go to trial. He just never made it.
1: <laughs> what do you mean?
0: So at the beginning, he was already 69 years of age and experiencing some health issues. So his preliminary hearings get getting postponed. He did plead not guilty, but never had a full hearing or a full trial. September 27th of 2013, Hegel passed away from prostate cancer. Over that one year, it had developed so quickly that it had gotten into his bones and his skull.
1: Into his skull? Yes. Oof.
0: Prostate cancer. Like, how does that even... Does that even happen? Oh, my god. I gosh. don't know if that's, like, medically common or not, but it seems pretty dramatic. Not dramatic, severe.
1: Fellas, you better make sure you get your prostate checked, then. Okay.
0: Side note. <laughs> yeah. Health
1: check. Yeah. Okay. So he was never so then we would we never found out we, we never we, we will never know exactly why
0: we will never know why he really cut and cooked his wife. Here's the thing. When the investigators went into the home, they have ways of telling if there's someone that's in the process of about to eat somebody or cannibalism is involved in this case, there was no sign of any of that. Which raises a question of why cook her if you're not going to eat her? Not that I wanted him to eat her. I just don't understand why you would go that route. And did he murder his wife? Or did she really die of natural causes?
1: To me, in my personal opinion, I feel like she did die of natural causes. And since there was in the autopsy report, it was very inconclusive, right? Correct?
0: Well, yeah, she's in pieces. What are you going to put together?
1: But there was no, like, say there's no stab wounds. She wasn't choked. She months. was
0: also cooked. So there's no like. Yes, there if, was probably no gunshot if, or anything. Maybe huge? eventually
1: he was trying to like homemade cremate her, right? If that this guy's, I mean, he's all he's got one too many loose screws in the head. There's the motor's running, but there's no one behind the wheel. Okay. <laughs> right. And it's just like all these. All he's probably thinking like, "Oh my bride! I love my bride! I cannot live without my bride! I want to keep her." I mean, you don't think about these things. So, was he
0: planning on preserving like her head in the freezer forever? Like,
1: and t- we will never know because he passed away. Which is, it, can we call so, him on the other so line really questions. quick? There's so many questions that, to to be like, why did you do this? That yeah. that is the million dollar question. Why did you do this? And we will never find out.
0: I think the biggest thing is to remember that they did not think what we consider common sense or logic. So. It really makes it difficult to even try to understand someone in that state. I honestly am torn between. I don't know if he murdered her. I really feel like it could have been neglect or it could have just been natural causes. That's hard for me. I just can't wrap my head around why cook her. I would understand if he tried to bury her in his backyard like he wanted to keep her close to home. That would have been logical to me. Still awful, but not cooking her and boning her and He made a whole orchestra of his home and his bathroom and not to mention the equipment he used. Like it's not your average like kitchen knife. Like he went and got. So there was somewhere in there where he was going to Harbor Freight and making trips back and forth to get all this equipment to set up like his shop in in home.
1: Well, yeah. Dittmar Street to where Harbor Freight in Oceanside, which still currently is there, is only about a block, a city block up from where he lives.
0: It's literally walking distance.
1: That's how you get your exercise.
0: This whole story is just wild. Well, a little update on where the house is now. Oh. The house was featured on Murder House Flip. Great show, by the way. If you're into true crime, it's like my new thing right now. It combines homes and murders and redos, and it's just really entertaining. In Season 1, Episode 7, they cover the blue murder house, which is this one. And you can see that it is not even a trace of what the home used to be. So I'm glad that the new owners can enjoy their house.
1: So murder, murder flip house is the name of the show, and yes. their their main purpose is to go to houses where a crime or a murder has been uh, committed and re erase and they, the history and restart. Yep. Yeah. What? That's yeah. Crazy. And what's this on Roku? It's
0: on Roku Channel. Oh my.
1: Okay. Yes. When they went into, like, the kitchen or the bathrooms or places, were they able to find traces of, like, dried up blood or, like, human remains? As they're
0: redoing the bathroom, when they stripped the flooring or when they started to, like, kind of put in a new tub and they lifted a little bit, they found full traces of her blood all on the flooring. So they stripped it out and they redid basically top to bottom all new interior. But can you believe that even, what, 12 years later...
1: That you find yourself in that kind of house. Yeah. I,
0: uh, it's a beautiful neighborhood. It just had a tragic history. And I'm glad that somebody can enjoy the home. I don't know if I'd be able to live in a murder house. Like, I think I'd get a little bit of heebie-jeebies about it.
1: I I definitely wouldn't. You know, there's, there's, I feel like there's bad juju and, and stuff in places like that. I just cannot, like, step foot in places like that.
0: <laughs> Let's not go there. Yes. Well, I would love for you guys to tell us how you guys think she died, and what his intentions of cooking her were. Maybe you guys have a different point of view that we didn't express today. So please let us know your thoughts.
1: Keeping it local in Oceanside, we will now do our SBS.
0: Small Business Spotlight.
1: This last week, we had our couple married friends invite us out to this place in Oceanside called Frankie's. Angie and I were completely blown away. It looks so like vintage. It, it, the nineteen
0: twenties speakeasy vibe. Very nice lighting. Not too dark. Not too light.
1: Very nice. Like you can just go out for like a, just a nice cocktail or a beer drink, just to get away from life for a little bit.
0: Oh, the cocktails are delicious. Everything amazing. we tried,
1: we loved. What we really loved is that they had a a list of their drinks. And there had to be at least, I want to say, at least 20 drinks to be able to pick out from. And if, say, for instance, you wanted a, a cranberry instead of, a, you know, a seltzer kind of water, they would customize the drink for you right then and there.
0: Very knowledgeable bartenders, These, which I feel like a lot of them now are like, whatever the drinks are, it is how it is, or it's very hard to substitute and they were very flexible, and they had such a great variation, which I'm really glad because most bars have, like, five specialty drinks, and that's it. And this one yeah. had
1: – What you see is what you get. Yeah. And what was really cool about it, too, is that all those drinks were all the same price. Yeah. They were all the same. It was like, you can pick this one or the one at the end. doesn't matter. It was amazing.
0: The so, energy was great. The staff was super pleasant, super fun, very easygoing.
1: Oh, they kept on checking out on us, like – you guys good? They give us a thumbs up. If we're having a conversation, they come over to our table. They're just like doing the, the thumbs up as they're walking by. The head nod. Everything no. good, everything good, good, good. Another drink. I, I love that, you know. But please go check them out. Frankie's on the Oceanside. Uh, their address is 406 View Way, Oceanside, California. They're open all week from 4 to 12 a.m. Monday through Wednesday. Thursday through Sunday from 1 to 12 a.m. Please go check out Frankie's. You're not going to want this.
0: Don't forget to tune in every Monday for your next dose of Where in the World is Crime in San Diego? Till then, catch us on the next case.
1: And if in case we don't see you, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Tell me where in the world is crime? Brian in San Diego. Hey,